0: The Telegraph. Telegraph.
2: Podcasts. I just feel like if I can just save one person, then, you know, it's worth getting up every morning and doing the job.
0: Today we're talking about a subject that can be all too painful to discuss, but not discussing it is part of the problem. The day we're releasing this episode is World Suicide Prevention Day and I'm back with a very special edition of Mad World to market
2: and a guest with a very special job. Laura
0: Campbell is the Suicide Prevention Manager for Govia Thameslink Railway, the first person to have that title and the only Suicide Prevention Manager for any train company in the country. It's not an easy role. Laura helps train staff to carry out suicide interventions at their stations, but she has an invaluable insight into the tools needed to support vulnerable people. For every life lost on the railway, six are saved. So Laura and I are sitting in the Telegraph audio studio with some much-needed human connection to talk about what her job entails and also the things we can look out for in our loved ones and the things we can look out for in ourselves.
2: This is a subject which we don't talk about enough, is it, Laura? No, definitely not.
0: It's still a huge taboo. I'm going to first ask you the question I ask every guest on Mad World, which is how are you really right now? Not the kind of breezy, I'm fine, thanks. Like, how are you really right now?
2: Well, thank you for asking that. It's not a question that gets asked a lot. So uh, thank you. I am feeling really good today.
0: That's nice. I'm feeling really good for sitting here in a studio with you because it's the first podcast we've done back in a studio since the beginning of the pandemic. And all of them have been done like in my bedroom dressing table. And I've been itching to get back in the studio. So tell us about your job and what it entails. What's your nine to five routine? Who does it involve speaking
2: to? What does it involve doing? So my job is definitely not an average nine to five. Every day is different. I could be doing anything from visiting a station to make sure that all our kind of safety procedures are in place, to make sure that we have help seeking posters. Okay, because you see that a lot at the end of a platform, Samaritans. So making sure that we have posters in place, making stations safer, but also about looking after people so anyone that comes onto our network making sure that they're okay and in order to do that it's quite a complicated uh, role but on the other hand it's really simple we just need to train everybody to look out for each other. So one of the things that I put in place when I started in the role was 30 minute e-learning You don't need to be officially trained in order to intervene, but this 30-minute training is just to give people confidence Mm -hmm. to approach somebody that may not look quite right. You know, something's a bit off and they're trusting their gut and they're going up and saying, you know, hello, it's a, you know, is everything okay or where are you trying to get to today? So. Mainly relying on our staff and everybody in the company to make an intervention and to be confident in doing so. So that's part of my job, but I work very closely with the Samaritans, Mm -hmm. with the British Transport Police, and with everyone within our safety. I work with pretty much everyone in the company because it's all of our jobs to be looking out for vulnerable people. Um, In the event that a tragedy has happened, um, I'm making sure that our staff are okay, Mm -hmm. giving them support. So they have brilliant support. We have trim practitioners, which are basically peer-to-peer support. So a driver will be able to speak to another driver that has been through the experience and is able to really offer fantastic support. And that works as kind of a triage system and signposts to other help that that person can then have. So, Do they then also get professional support? So they would get occupational health if they want to stay um, within the company. Mm -hmm. But also we have trained counsellors that are external to the company. And we have a, a company called Care First that people can speak to outside of work. So there's there's quite a lot in, in place. There's also Able Futures who are able to help with mental health. So any one of our kind of staff or, or anyone in the country can contact Able Futures and they're able to help you for nine months making a plan at work and how you kind of manage your manager and it's a really good scheme as well. So there's a lot in place to help our people that have, that have helped other people. Mm-hmm. So you just
0: said you don't have to have training to intervene. There's a notion that people feel scared to intervene because they think they're going to make up, the problem worse.
2: Yeah. Whereas actually we know that you can't make
0: the no. problem
2: worse. So there's been a lot of scientific Um, Research by people much cleverer than me that says no you can't can't make things worse so I understand that's a real fear of of approaching somebody and then telling you to get lost in the nicest possible way but wouldn't you rather have that occurrence and somebody telling you to Get lost than than actually bypassing somebody that is really genuinely in need, Mm. and to be honest, you don't have to say to somebody, "Are you suicidal?" Just having a chat with somebody, and if we all had a chat with somebody every day that Mm. was just looking a bit down and gave them a smile, it could well, you know, it could change their train of thought. If somebody was thinking of suicide just having a chat with them can break that train of thought and can can you know set them on a path to having a much better day. Mm -hmm. What I found really helpful is practicing a little kind of speech almost in your head so I would say hi I'm Laura I can see that you're on your own is everything okay or where are you trying to get to and Mm -hmm. just practicing something before you go and do it so like the athlete's Kind of dream and have their positive Visualize. mental attitude and, yeah. and go out and, and smash it. Having that kind of speech in your head before you approach somebody just makes you a little bit more confident, confident. in doing it and maybe role playing it with somebody and, mm. and you know ha- having that kind of practice and saying it out loud so it doesn't feel weird going and saying to somebody are you okay. Mm. Can you sort of run through
0: for anyone listening who you know maybe perhaps Worried about someone, uh, a loved one, or perhaps they work with someone that they, you know, that they sort of think is perhaps having problems. What are the things to look
2: out for? Mm. I think there are things to look out for, but there's also to keep in mind that not everybody shows these signs. So you could have somebody that's really elated because they've made a decision and they are, you know, very happy and very calm. But you could also have somebody that's they have changed their personality altogether. They're very stressed. They're very snappy. They haven't got time for anyone anymore. I think if somebody's personality is changing, it's worth checking in. And, and as you did at the beginning, you know, asking twice, are you really OK? Because we all need so much more today than any other time. We need to be checking in on each other. And I think looking for any changes in somebody's personality would, would be ideal. Mm.
0: When I was in rehab,
2: they described that addiction is the
0: opposite of connection, and to me, connection is at the key of good mental health, really. And of course, we haven't been able to have that proper connection. I mean, you can't you can't look someone in the eye and have a proper conversation with them on Zoom because you're looking back at yourself and going, "Oh, look, my mascara's running," or do you mean, (laughs) or something like that. And and I think that. It's those little losses of connection over time that are really adding up. Certainly for me personally, my mental health has declined and I'm lucky enough to have the tools to be able to deal with that. I'm lucky enough to be able to sit in this studio with you, Laura, and say that that's the problem. There are loads of people out there who don't have that. They don't yeah. They don't feel that they can. For whatever reason, they don't feel there's anyone that's going to take them seriously or that they have... You know, it's not even that, is it? It's that thing of not even feeling like you have a right to burden, quote, unquote, and it's not a burden, someone with your feelings. What I mean to say is that that connection, that, like, just how are you really, is it's more powerful than you can know, you know. And when you say that... Just asking someone, you know, you don't have to say, are you suicidal, but just checking in on someone can change the course of their day. It's so true.
2: Yeah. And we've had we've had people that have written to me and said we have um, welfare officers on certain stations and they're people that are their sole job is to kind of talk to people and, and make sure that everybody's okay." and I have had a, an email sent to me saying I was actually intending to take my life and this person spoke to me and smiled at me and absolutely, as we've said before, broke my train of thought and I went on not to not to take my life that day and I went on to seek help, which, you know, is incredible. That's so powerful, just, you know, to smile at somebody and just say that they think, Okay, maybe it is okay. So, what did the welfare officers? What are the welfare officers
0: trained to say? Because that's really—I just think it's really useful to know for people sitting at home
2: listening, or people that might be on their journey in at the moment. So, it's nothing complicated. It's we all have conversations every day, and you know, you'll go and ask for a coffee in the coffee shop. You probably don't just say a coffee. You know, you'll you'll have a chat. You'll yeah. say hello. How are you? And it's as easy as that, opening up a conversation with somebody. I've made an intervention myself, and I know how hard it is to do that initial approach. You're you're shaking, you've got your adrenaline running, you think, oh my goodness, what if they say this, what if they do that? And you've just got to rise above that and think, it doesn't matter about me. Obviously, it matters about keeping yourself safe and, you know, same as on a plane, you put your own mask on first before helping others, but approaching somebody else and saying to them it doesn't really matter what you say so would you like to go and get a cup of tea you Mm -hmm. look a bit down should we go somewhere a bit quieter so we can talk and moving them away from a an area of danger into Mm -hmm. an area of safety where they feel they can talk but you know if you're if you're at all worried about somebody i would recommend phoning 999 yeah they would far prefer you to have made a mistake and the person be fine than it be the opposite
0: well this is the thing we don't realize that just as we'll use 999 when there is a crisis a threat to our physical health or our safety, physical safety. We don't realise that we can do it for mental health reasons yeah. as well. And I think that's a really important thing to be able to say. You, you can ring the Samaritans, 116 123. 116 123. But you can also call 999. And I, I just want to, uh, we can sit here and we can talk about things that people should be doing. You know, we could talk about suicide prevention, but I just wanted to get out of the way now because I think this is a really important thing because whenever I have written about suicide prevention or done posts about suicide prevention, often you'll get feedback from someone who didn't prevent a suicide. It came out of the blue. or well, Nothing they did could help. And I'm wondering if there's anyone listening now who has lost someone to suicide... You know, we're putting the onus on each other and saying we can all help each other. But I think it's also really important that we let people know there is obviously a kind of community responsibility to look out for each other. But if someone completes a suicide, you should
2: not hold yourself responsible for it. No. I've um, I've blamed myself for um, a, a suicide. I was very young and a friend of mine took their own life. And he spoke to me the night before, and he said, oh, you know, can I talk to you about something? And my other friend, her parents were divorcing. I was 14 at the time. And I said, I'm just going to talk to my friend, and I'll find you afterwards. And the next day, he went on to complete suicide. And I blamed myself for a long, long time. You were 14? I was 14. And I think there's so many people involved when when somebody takes their life it's not just that person the ripple effect is huge there's so many people are touched by it and I think that to blame yourself is a a very hefty weight to bear Mm. often there's nothing you can do what what we're trying to get across today is it's great if you can help but for those that that are kind of in the aftermath of the situation and and feeling guilty, you you just have to let that guilt go. Mm. To be fourteen and to experience
0: that—that's a—that's a—that's—I'm really sorry that you lost that person and you had to experience that. I mean, I know that you have other personal experience of of suicide, and I wanted to ask you about that in a bit, if that's okay. Is that what made you? want to do this job? This Because this is an, it's an incredible job and you help so many people, people you'll never meet. You won't know how many people you've helped for this job, right? Can you tell me what the kind of impetus was? Sure.
2: Well, my background's crisis management and family liaison. So dealing with families that have had something happen to them and the fact that if you acknowledge something that has happened, so be it something really small, so for example, somebody coming out of a really traumatic situation Mm -hmm. has has laddered their tights and you say, oh, I can see you've laddered your tights, would you like a new pair? That validation of that experience can stop them having repeated trauma and and it can can really help with their recovery. So that was something that I was really interested in. And I went on to kind of... (sighs) researched quite a bit into trauma and and I did some training and was so interested in the whole topic and when this job came available I absolutely had to have it there was just no stopping me getting this job I felt like it was made for me um as you've kind of alluded to my my grandmother took her own life on the railway when my mum was four mm-hmm. and um that's had an effect on my life even though I obviously never met her Mm. because of the way my mum is and because of the kind of ripple effect of her childhood changing and it's it's had such an impact and I just feel like if I can just save one person then you know it's worth getting up every morning and doing the job.
0: What are the key things you think everyone on this planet should know that will help us with suicide prevention are there like two or three key things that we can all walk around with like sort of a toolkit in our pocket so yeah. to speak if that if you could
2: pick them what would they be i think knowing that you will never know what somebody else is going through so even though you think you know don't Don't assume that you do know. So if you're talking to somebody and they start to tell you and they're opening up about their situation, don't say, oh, I've been there. I know how you feel because you will never know Mm. how somebody else feels. So listen. So listen and don't give advice. See, that's really interesting because I
0: think we live in such a solutions based culture and actually... And we think if someone comes to us, we have to be able to give them the cure, the the, the solution to their problem. And actually we don't. We just have to be there to to listen to them, listen to the problem, hold them and their problem and let them know that you're here for them. And I think that's a really fantastic piece of advice just for you know generally yeah for situations
2: so listen don't feel you have to offer advice and I think the more you talk about things the more you give someone the permission to talk and if somebody says to you I'm feeling suicidal they're giving you permission to talk mm. about suicide the thing you mentioned earlier
0: about things to look out for you touched on the elated element there are people that often report that you know, the person seemed like they were suddenly doing really well again and it came out of the blue. It's one of those myths about suicidal people that I think it's really important to bust, basically.
2: I think, yeah, (laughs) some people are elated because they've made a decision Mm -hmm. and they are really happy that they're going to not be a burden anymore, which they feel they are, and they're not. Um, They've made a decision, they've made a plan, and so they're happy. And they feel comfortable with what they're going to do, and they feel calm. So that's something that we need to look out for because obviously people, the people are portrayed as being very miserable, looking down at the floor, you know, not talking to anyone, and and it's not always the case. We need to be we need to be looking out for everybody. The things like somebody wearing clothes that they wouldn't normally wear, and it's not something that would definitely be a point that you should look out for if somebody looks dishevelled, for example, because they might normally dress like that. Right. But all of us have feelings and all of us can feel that way. So that's why we need to have a broad brush with this. Yeah, to just realise this is a is this a human,
0: this is something that afflicts humans. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about, there's such a taboo about suicide. It's like when I was younger, much younger, and I remember saying to someone I loved that I, I was thinking about that kind of thing. I had some suicidal ideation. And what they said to me was, don't say that. Please don't say that. And I understand now that that person didn't know, wasn't able to process what they were hearing from me, someone they loved. But it wasn't, to put it bluntly, <laughs> very helpful, no. you know. What would you say to someone who is feeling that way? Because I didn't know then that actually suicidal thoughts can be quite
2: common. Yeah, so very common. The first step, and really, really hard, is to articulate those feelings. So talk to somebody and let them know how you're feeling. And if somebody's talking to you about it, as you've said, you know, saying don't say that is is not helpful. Thanking them for opening up and trusting you is a really good step there are so many people that would want to speak to you and talk to you, your friends, your family, a GP. Mm. There are so many charities out there. And I know it's it's really hard to take that first step. But once you've taken that step and made a phone call, I mean, the Samaritans aren't just there for somebody that's suicidal. They're there for anyone at any point in their in their lives that they feel they need to speak to somebody and they can't speak to anybody else. Mm. Let's talk about some of
0: those charities because we hear a lot about the Samaritans, but there are, there's a huge amount. So we have things like Papyrus and there's the Maytree Respite Centre. So they, if you call them up and they have space, they will take you and keep keep you safe Amazing. for three to four days. We hear so much, don't we, about the crisis in mental health provision in this country. And I think it's really important that we keep banging that drum because we need to hold people in positions of power accountable. But if you were in a mental health crisis yourself, it's not actually that helpful to hear that because you're like, where can I go for help? What can I do? What are the practical things I can do? So, for example, I can call 999. There's also Shout. Shout. Which the Crisis Text text. Line, which is available 24 hours, seven days a week, and it's manned constantly by trained volunteers, and that you text SHOUT to 85258. Are there any other places that you
2: would recommend? So there's a really good app called Hub of Hope, and that gives access to all the charities locally and can help you connect with somebody that will give you help. That's amazing. And also, it's worth noting that
0: since the pandemic, all NHS trusts in England, I don't know whether they've rolled it out in Scotland, Northern Ireland and Wales yet, but certainly in England, they all have a crisis, emergency mental health phone line now. So there is stuff there. The thing to remember is we hear so, yeah, again, we hear so much about how bad mental health provision is and, and so on and so forth. And, and you know, and I say that su- suicide is you know still a great taboo but we still we are talking about it a lot more than we than we used to what from you know from your own personal history but also from the work
2: you do how much improvement have you seen in recent years so from my own personal experience, there's been a lot lot more people willing to talk to me. So when I say what my job role is as suicide prevention manager, people are given permission to talk about suicide and it's often quite a relief. So I've had people that will talk to me and they've never talked to somebody else before about their suicidal thoughts. And I have had one person that's gone and had medical help because of it which is a really, really positive story for me because I was very privileged to be in the situation where where I could help. So I think we've moved on. People are talking more, but... I often say at a dinner party if somebody says what do you do for a living I I think do I tell them or don't Mm. I tell them I think people now talk a lot more and are a lot more willing to actually have that conversation and and they'll give examples of you know their own experience of suicide and you know a a lot of people will know somebody that's taken their own life but especially since my mum her mum taking her life she never spoke about it Mm. and it's she she talks about it a bit now and I say, you know, it's really helpful for you to talk about it and also for others to kind of hear your story and to know that you've got through life. She's called Carol I Can Do It because she does such a fantastic job of crashing on and and getting on with life and doing everything that she wants to do. And um, I think that she would have really helped a lot of people and a lot of people would have been able to help her mm. in those days. But as it was, things are, things are so much better now. Mm. But there's always room for improvement. Tell me, Laura, what would you like to see happen
0: in the workplace generally, so not just on the railways, but what would you like to see in terms of you know, how can we support our staff better with this
2: stuff? OK, I think supporting staff generally is the way to go so having an open door policy as a manager and saying you can talk to me about anything and also sharing so a lot of what we do internally at Govia Thameslink Railway is about sharing stories Mm -hmm. so we have something called a brunch and learn and -hmm. we'll have somebody on that's had mental health problems and we'll talk about them and we'll absolutely break the taboo of I had a problem with drink and therefore my manager sacked me. It's not the case. Their manager got them support. Their Mm. manager helped them. They had time off and they got through it. So we're very much encouraging people in in the workplace to talk about things. And I think if workplaces could do something along those lines, that would be really helpful. Managers have a lot of responsibility, but also especially now when we're mainly phoning and talking to people on zoom and teams and things like that just asking twice are you okay the things that we've discussed already that that i think are really important to to make sure that somebody is talking to you and and able to open up to you and if you don't have that relationship with somebody getting somebody else that does to have a chat with them so maybe someone in your team could to could make that call Mm-hmm. just checking in making sure that everybody's okay would go a long way to, to helping with suicide prevention
0: mm. and let's talk a bit about you know obviously in suicide prevention circles There are lots of campaigns, and in fact I ran one with the MP at the time, Luciana Berger. Uh, We wrote to all the editors of major newspapers and news channels and asked them to adopt the Samaritans' guidelines on language. So, for example, we try not to say that someone committed suicide – because obviously it does hark back to a time it was a criminal offence, which yeah. is ridiculous as that may sound. So we tried to say die by suicide. Why does that stuff matter? Because it, because people go, oh, come on, it's just language, and it's actually like if someone is more able to talk about suicide and feels less ashamed of it
2: and less like they're a criminal, are they less likely to complete? I don't know if, if that's the fact, but the, the way that we talk and language is so important because if you are, as you say, criminalised or always put upon you that your son or daughter has committed suicide, it's not helpful for anybody that's involved. And mm. the way that we talk to each other, it's just we just need to be kinder. And the more we talk about it, the more that we learn how to talk about it and the right phraseology and the right way of speaking, the further on we're going to get.
0: And what are, the, are there any other kind of common myths and misconceptions about suicide that you would like to see changed?
2: So there's a lot in place to help our people that have, that have helped other people. But I will say that one of the myths is um, about drivers and the fact that, you know, they're just doing a job. I think at the end of the day, they're, they're not going to work expecting to, um, mm. to cause a, a death. And they have their own families and their own lives. So it's an absolute, you know, catastrophe if if something happens to them. And, and we need to safeguard the drivers and make sure that they're OK and all the team. Mm. And it does have a ripple effect. A massive ripple effect.
0: Again, I have to say again, you are not a burden. No. Definitely. We want you here. The universe wants you here. What about, like, There's a there's a sort of myth, isn't there, that if someone is serious about suicide, then they
2: wouldn't be talking about
0: it. So that's definitely a myth. It's really unhelpful. Really unhelpful. Really unhelpful. Yeah,
2: to say that somebody that's thinking about it isn't going to talk or is going to talk. We don't know if somebody's serious at all. So only they will know... And even if they feel like they're serious and are going to take their life, there's still room. So nothing's inevitable. Mm-hmm. So there's still room for us to intervene and for us to kind of help that person, or for them to seek help themselves. Mm-hmm.
0: And let's you know try and leave this on a positive thing because you talked about the person that wrote to you and said that it was you know that they they didn't kill themselves that day and. I think it's really important to underline the fact that things will get better. You can't, you can't know how amazing life is going to get and what's around the corner. And people who have suicidal feelings do get better. They don't have them forever.
2: No. For every life lost, six are saved which is an incredible um, figure. We we talk about interventions a lot, which is where somebody has been saved. Mm -hmm. They've more than doubled in the last three years. Really? And I truly believe that's people having more confidence to go and intervene and to make that intervention. So... You know, there are, there are people that are desperate to help you and to talk to you and to to offer you hope. And as you've said, you know, who knows what's around the corner? We're, we're all living in a world where we've got so much adrenaline pumping through us at the minute. And it's, it's not a natural state to be in where we're all constantly worried about what's going to happen. Where do I have to wear a mask? You know, all these this just bizarre situation for everybody. And if you're going through a mental health crisis, it's just it feels so much worse. And we talked earlier about the connection and, and not having, you know, that connection with people. I think that that is something that is really integral in, in all of this and people's mental ill health. But there are people that want to talk to you and there mm-hmm. are people that want to make things better. And crucially, you are not a burden and neither are you alone.
0: Thank you so much, Laura. It's been a real privilege to chat to you. Pleasure. Thank you, Brian. Before you go, please follow Mad World on your podcast app to make sure you never miss an episode. We'll be back with new episodes in October. If you feel like it, leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I love to read what you think about the shows and seeing your guest suggestions. The Telegraph also let me loose in column form, so if you'd like to hear more from me, head to telegraph.co.uk forward slash mad world and you can get your first 30 days access to the website completely free. And if you've been affected by anything we've talked about in our podcast today, the following organisations offer free and confidential support over the phone. The Samaritans can be reached 24 hours a day, seven days a week on 116 123. Or you can contact the mental health charity Mind for advice on a range of mental health issues. Their phone number is 0300 123 3393. That's 0300 123 3393. Then there's Young Minds, who provide support if you're a parent or a carer worried about a child's welfare. They're on 0808 802 5544. That's 0808 802 5544. If you prefer text support, Shout is a 24-7 UK crisis text service, available for times when people feel they need immediate support. By texting SHOUT to 85258, you'll be put in touch with a trained crisis volunteer who will chat to you by text. And importantly, remember this, you are not alone.
1: Hold up.